Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. All right, let's, let's try this again. Good morning. There we go. Now we're ready. Hey, before I get into my sermon, there's one other thing i got to announce. And that is, next weekend is our anniversary weekend. And it's not just any other anniversary. This is a big one. This is our 50th anniversary for Christ Community Church being right here in Portsmouth, Ohio. I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty impressive to me. The fact that, I mean, Portsmouth and this whole area, southern Ohio, northern Kentucky, can get a bad rep. But yet we're still here. We're still sharing the gospel. We're still doing what we do, and we're still serving the Lord. So next weekend, I encourage you all, absolutely come back for our anniversary weekend. But don't just let it stop there. Don't let it just be you. We all know friends, family who don't have a home church. If they don't have a home church, this is where we want them. If we got to set out extra chairs, what a great anniversary weekend that would be. And then not just to say, look how many people we had. That's, that's not why we're doing it at all. It'd be to say, look how many people we were able to share the gospel with. And we can share the love of Jesus Christ with them. So next weekend, Anniversary Sunday, we hope that you join us for that. And with that being said, let's dive right in. If you don't know me, my name is Andrew Rawlings, and I am the student pastor here. I'm going to be giving you a little bit more information about myself as I go throughout my, my sermon here this morning. <clears throat> but can I, can I just be really, really honest with you guys? I really struggled with what I was going to talk about this morning. And this whole weekend, I, I really struggled with it. I couldn't come up with what I wanted to talk about. I had a few different ideas running around in my head, but getting it down to that one topic that I really wanted, I struggled with that. Even up to a couple weeks ago, I went to my grandpa, Scott. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to preach about. Like, I, again, just some things, yeah, I, I want to talk about this or this, but nothing was really set in stone. So I started thinking, okay, it's youth service, dealing with students, dealing with teens, What's a good title or a topic? Ah, the struggle is real. Um, that's, that's the title of my sermon, The Struggle is Real. Now, anybody out here, um, show of hands if you're a parent or have been a parent. All, okay, good. If you've been a parent of, well, actually, not even just teens, but parent in general, have you ever felt that the struggle is real? Always. Okay, good. Yeah, the struggle is real with parenting, especially teens. Mom, keep your hand down. Dad, keep your hand down. No, I was the golden child. You're dealing with your, your mom. You're talking about your other kids. Got it. Um, no, the struggle is definitely real. And even in our world today, I feel like the struggle is real, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. Schools are opening up in a really weird kind of way, like, they've, like we've never seen. Uh, at least I haven't, and the, the students today, they haven't dealt with. Um, and we have to wear these masks all the time. The struggle is real in life. Now, if you raised your hand and said, yeah, you feel the struggle is real in parenting, or you're thinking, yeah, the struggle is real in life, I have some bad news. That's not what my sermon's about. But it is about a struggle. I'm going to be talking about struggling in our faith, struggling with God. Is that okay? Conflict with God, is that okay? Are we allowed to do that? Aren't we Christians? We're supposed to love God, and, and that's supposed to be a great thing. What, what's that look like? What does it mean to struggle with God? What does it mean to look, or how does that look in everyday life? The Bible actually talks about conflict. If we look in the book of James, chapter 1, right off the top. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Pure joy. 
pure joy? I don't know about you, but whenever I'm going through a bunch of junk, I don't feel like going, yay, this is awesome. I find it really hard to find joy when I'm going through rough stuff, when I'm going through trials, when I'm going through tribulations, all that stuff. I find it really, really difficult to find joy. So I want you to picture this. Okay, again, I am the student pastor here, but during the week, I'm a fourth and fifth grade science teacher at Grays Branch Elementary School in Greenup County, Kentucky. Thank you, my Grays Branch people. All right. Um, And I absolutely love it, but again, we're starting schools differently, right? That means I have to learn how to do things differently. So our district had these trainings so that we could learn how to use these online programs well so our students are still learning, and it was great. During this, this time, we were allowed for an hour lunch, which was awesome. I used one of my days. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to drive to Ashland. I went to Ashland, and I went to Moe's. Do I have any Moe's fans out there? Yes. If you don't like Moe's, I'll pray for you. Now, I want you to picture, like, the perfect burrito that you could get from Moe's. That's what I had. Now, I'm, I'm that guy. I have the Moe's, like, rewards app on my phone. So I checked it before I went in. I had a free burrito. Holla. Thank you, Jesus. So I even took it a step further. Not only did I get a burrito, I paid extra for queso on it. And ha. So I get it. I get my burrito, get my chips and queso because I had a free burrito. Why not get queso? And my drink. And I go out to their seating area in the little patio that they have outside. I sit down. And I unwrap the burrito, and the clouds open up. There's a beam of light right down on it. And I hear the angels start singing. Just, oh. Uh, it, was, it was beautiful. The best burrito I've ever had from there. So shout out to Moe's. So I take one bite, and it was just amazing. It was everything I had hoped for and more. Then I pull out my phone, set it on the table, and put in one of my AirPods so I can listen. Because I'm still planning for this sermon. At this time, I'm planning about... I'm going to do a sermon, The Struggle is Real, but it's going to be about struggling in everyday life. So I, I, I pull up this, this speech that this guy's given, this talk he's given, about struggling in marriage, because that happens. We know that. And he starts talking about this guy. His name's Dr. John Gottman. Now, jo- Dr. John Gottman is a researcher, and he was researching marriages and marriage statistics. And, and he was actually able to tell whether a marriage would last or not with 95% accuracy. I was like, wow, that's, that's, uh, that's really impressive, 95% accuracy. And I was like, I wonder how he does it. Well, the way that he does it is that he looks at 15 minutes of conflict between a husband and a wife. That's all he needs. He watches that 15 minutes of conflict and can tell whether or not that marriage is going to last. That blew my mind. He also said that 70% of the conflict that we have, um, 70% of conflict is unresolvable due to our personality differences, and our personalities aren't changing. Sorry, honey. That blew my mind. I'm sitting here going, wow. He only has to look at 15 minutes of conflict. Man, I'm glad he didn't look at that argument Rachel and I had last week. But that blew my mind. 70% is unresolvable conflict because our personalities aren't changing and there's personality differences. So I'm just, you know, sitting here thinking, this is really good information. I can use this in my sermon. But then he spins it and he asks this question. What if our relationship with God can be measured in how we interact with God 
in the middle of conflict? What if our relationship with God can be measured by how we interact with God in the middle of conflict? And just like that, my burrito euphoria was ruined. It was gone. But it made me start thinking, and I was ready to, to flip everything, and I was like, that. That's the light bulb right there. That's God saying, you know what? This is what you're talking about. How do you struggle well with me? Here's the thing. If you don't walk out with anything else this morning, walk out with this information. Conflict in and of itself is not a bad thing. Conflict is not a bad thing. In fact, if we're honest in, in all of our relationships with, with our spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, family members, friends, and especially with God— if we're honest in all those relationships, we're going to agree that there's absolutely going to be conflict. And why? Personality differences. We're going to clash at some point. Conflict simply reveals where there are differences and gives us a chance to fix them. We're always going to have differences. No, no one is alike. We're not exactly the same person, right? We're always going to have these differences, and conflict will arise, but that's just an opportunity for you to realize where you're falling short— and how to fix it. And if you're able to do that well, it's a beautiful thing, and you can grow from that. So picture this. Picture you got two horses pulling a, a wagon, carriage, whatever you want to call it, and then they split. One starts going left, one starts going right. This horse over here can say, hey, psst, we're going this way. Then they come over and start going. Or he can simply join his buddy over here, and they start going the same way. Or this horse over here can say, we need to stop we need to ask for directions, and you need to do what I'm saying. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going somewhere different. Okay, so we've got two horses pulling in different directions. Here's the deal. As long as they're pulling in different directions, one, they're not going anywhere. They're not getting anywhere. And two, all they're doing is wasting time and wasting energy. But if they're able to get back on the right track and they start, fix, they fix that difference, they get rid of the conflict, come back together, they're able to not waste any energy at all, pulling the cart exactly where it needs to go. They're on the same page. We, you and I, waste a ton of energy when we don't resolve our conflict. So I want you to think, how do you handle conflict? I see some wives giving some husbands looks right now. It'll be okay. My wife's probably burning a hole through my head right now. Love you. But how do you handle conflict? Do you handle it well? We usually handle it differently. Guys, typically, not always, but typically, guys, we're hotheads. And we'll say the first thing that comes to our mind, whether it's true or not, we, we just, we're hotheads and we say the wrong thing because we're mad. We usually need a minute to calm down. Women, typically, again, not always, but typically want to talk it out right then and there. They want to hash it out. There's more conflict. It's because of personality differences, right? We all handle it different ways. And sometimes, whenever we, in our relationship with God, we don't want to talk about it. We sin, we mess up, we fall short, right? We miss the mark. And we have a choice. We can go and talk to God about it, confess our sins, ask for forgiveness, repent, or we can hide away. And hold it inside because we're ashamed of it. We're going to get to shame a little bit later. David actually talks about this in the Psalms. In Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my guilt of sin. We've all been there. If, if this is, you know, if you've been there, I'm not pointing a finger at you. We've all been there. I've been there where I don't want to confess my sin. I've messed up. I know it, but I'm ashamed of it. I have this guilt, and I just can't deal with it right now. But then when you come back to the Father and you ask for forgiveness, it's a weight off your shoulders. So how do you struggle well with God? We'll get to that. Um, she didn't know this was coming last night. She does this morning, and she's still not happy about it. But Chris, go ahead and throw that picture up of me and Rachel. This, believe it or not, is actually me and Rachel. Yes, Rachel was out of my league then, just as she is now. Um, but that was us soon after we started dating. We, um, I think I was in college at this point, but I think she was still in high school. This is early on in our relationship. And that's, that's how it all started. Now, obviously things have changed. I look different. She's still beautiful. But throughout all this, there's definitely been some conflict in our in our relationship. We've been together almost 12 years total, been married for six of them. There's been conflict. But we spent a lot of time here at this church building. We were in youth group together. We'd come to church together. Uh, we, we did a lot of stuff here. And so we knew this place well. Then I went off to college, and eventually I got offered the job here. Real quick, I got to give a humble brag just like I did last night. Sorry. She's awesome, and I'm super proud of this fact. She's been working her tail off. Working, she works with uh, kids who are on the autism spectrum. And while doing all that, working 30 to 40 hours a week, she's also just received her diploma for getting her master's in behavioral therapy. So I love you. I'm proud of you. She's embarrassed, but I, I got to throw that humble brag in here. Um, so I, I'm in college, and I get offered this job. And immediately I, I go talk to, to Rachel. I was like, what do you think I should do? And immediately, she was like, you got to take it. You have to take that job. That's your dream job. That, like, you wanted to do youth pastor, but you, I mean, it's, it's your home church. It's great. This is, you have to take this job. I don't think she really knew what she was saying yes to and agreeing to at that point. Because while this job has been amazing, I, and I love every single thing about this job. I mean, I get paid to go to Kings Island with these kids, okay? It's not a bad gig, if we're being honest. But we also do these, we've done these big trips like work camp. We've gone on big trips to fall retreat, to summer in the sun. Here's the deal. You, it may, you guys are probably looking at it going, yeah, it looks pretty easy taking all those kids there and back. Sheets is smiling right now because he's been there. He knows. He knows that there's been some conflict. Here's the deal. If you're a parent, I want you to think back to maybe some long trips you've gone on with your family, some, some vacations. And how annoying your kids can be sometimes because they have to go to the bathroom, they're hungry, the are we there yet question, and they're looking out my window. And for some reason that's a bad thing. Now, multiply that by like 30, that's a youth trip. Okay? Um, I see Kayla, she's gone on some of these trips, she's nodding her head emphatically. Yes, she understands. There's conflict. And there's also conflict. There's been conflict between me and some of our adult leaders with how to deal with stuff, and even with me and Rachel about how to do things. And even, now, it's not all bad. Sometimes there's disagreements and we decide to do stuff, and it doesn't pan out, but it makes for a really good story and a really good memory. Like one time we thought we would take this road. We thought we were going the right way to this work camp, 
and ended up on a cliff and through a graveyard in, in Nowheresville, Tennessee, when we could have just stayed on the highway and been like two minutes off the highway to the school. It would have been great, but we would have had the experience. But there's always conflict, and we have to deal with it in a healthy way. And we've grown with that. Rachel and I, I'm not saying look at me and Rachel. We are the perfect role models. We do it great every time. No, that's not true. We've messed up. It hasn't always been perfect. But we were really lucky. You see, whenever we got married, well, actually, even while we were dating, we got engaged, I got to know her family real well, obviously. And I got to know her grandfather really well. He's since passed away, but he was a great guy. He'd always sneak her money but never give me anything. I don't know what that was about. But he, uh, he would, every time that he saw us, he would never leave without giving us one piece of information. He would look at us and he would shake my hand and he'd look at both of us and say, don't go to bed angry at each other. Once we got engaged, going into our, our marriage, that's what he would say to us. And I, that truly has been one of the biggest blessings of my marriage. Because, yeah, there's conflict and if you're a married couple here, you probably know the, the feeling sometimes where you don't want to be in the same room as each other. You just need a minute. Guys especially, we need a minute. Maybe we'll go get a cup of coffee just to kind of cool our heads a little bit and then come back and then we're ready to go. But always we would come back to the fact of let's not go to bed angry. Let's talk through this. I love you. How can we grow from this? And then we end up praying together. And, and it's a really cool growing experience for us in our marriage. So we were really blessed with that. Now, sometimes personalities collide and now there's conflict. We talked about that, but it's not just in our relationships always. Sometimes it's churches, right? Even the best churches have conflict, right? 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 Thank you. Yes. Everybody does. And sometimes you can even feel it. Even if you're right here, you can feel the tension across the room. You've got the Right seats versus the left seats. You don't cross that aisle for some reason. But, and you've all got your assigned seats. But sometimes you can even feel the tension. And we've had to, to kind of intercede at some time and, and say, okay, there's obviously something going on here. We need to fix it. Because the Bible is very clear that when part of the body of Christ is broken, the whole body suffers. And so we need to build each other up. We need to encourage one another and, and get together, fix that conflict, resolve that conflict so that the body of Christ can do what it's meant to do. Now, when was the last time that you had conflict with God? Think about that. When was the last time you really had conflict with God? Something with your relationship with God wasn't right. You had conflict with God. Usually, if I ask that question, someone can think of a time, right? It may not be in the most recent time, but maybe the most important time you had conflict with God pops into your mind. The reason we have conflict with God is because of personality differences. And it's really pretty simple. Four words. Ready? God's perfect. We're not. There's your personality difference right there. God's perfect and we're not. That's going to cause difference. Uh, personality difference. That's going to cause the conflict because we're trying to live up to, to God's standard, and when we don't, that's called sin. Now there's conflict. How are you going to deal with that? You know, in my job as a youth pastor, I get to see people at their most vulnerable state sometimes. It's usually kind of uh, a traumatic experience of some kind has happened, death in the family, loss of a loved one, something like that. And one of two things usually happens. If, if they're a believer, they believe, uh, they call themselves a Christian, 
God can either feel really, really close, or he can feel really, really far away. And that's a tough spot to be in. You feel like you're on your own little island. You're secluded from everyone, and you're so lonely, and you feel almost let down. You feel disappointed. The fact that God's not right there, you can't feel anything. And let me just say right now, if that is you, if you're here this morning and that's you, you're in that place, or you're watching online and you're in that place, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're watching because you're addressing that conflict. You're trying to do something about it. And I hope that this this sermon provides some sort of healing, some sort of hope for your situation. And if you're really struggling, I want to encourage you, don't walk out of here tonight without talking to me, another pastor on staff, somebody. And at the very least, we'll say we love you. We're praying for you. Keep in touch with us. We'll keep working through this together. I actually had someone last night come and talk to me and was like, you know what? That sermon really hit home. And I appreciate that. So if that's you, don't walk out of here with that burden on your shoulders, with that weight on your shoulders. Let us work through this together because that's what we do as the body of Christ. Now, as I said, I see people at their most vulnerable state, and sometimes I've been able to ask a question. I've been able to look at them and say, so are you mad at God? And they're immediately like, no, 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 I could never be mad at God. Like it's the unforgivable sin to be mad at God. Here's the deal. It's not. I've been mad at God. Matt certainly has been mad at God. He was an atheist for years, and they still hired him on as a pastor. It's not the unforgivable sin to be mad at God, but you have to deal with stuff in the right way. So have you ever been mad at God? I think if we're all honest with each other, we would say, yes, we have. But the way that you can gauge what, uh, what you do in that conflict is kind of, it kind of shows what kind of relationship you want to have with God. Do you want to have the, like say, the genie from Aladdin God that just grants your wishes, gives you the pat on the back when things are going good? kind of gives you what you want? Or do you want the real God? Because here's the deal. God never promised an easy life. He never said that you would never have pain, you would never struggle, you'd never have conflict. He never said that. What he did do is notice that we are all broken and needed a Savior, so he sent his perfect son to live a perfect life, take our punishment. He took a punishment for imperfect people, for sinners like you and me, He died on the cross, and he rose three days later to give you and me hope at eternal life. And that is the gospel. We get to go and spend eternity in a place that we can't earn and that we do not deserve. Only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the God I want. I don't want someone to grant my wishes. I want someone to be a perfect role model, to give me that pedestal to aim at. That's the God that I want. What kind of God do you want? Do you want an acquaintance with God? Do you want to just kind of know he's there? Do you want an intimate friendship with God, an intimate relationship with God, uh, and to become a servant of God? You're allowed to be mad at God. The Bible proves that. Abraham, he bargained with God. Moses argued with God, bold. Uh, Jacob wrestled with God. Jonah ran in his conflict with God. David was frustrated all throughout the Psalms. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Joshua, they all had honest struggles, but yet their stories are still in the Bible. Why? One, it's not a a sin to be mad at God. It's not the unforgivable sin, right? And two, God has a reason for their stories. And he has a reason for your story too. The reason he kept their story in there is because there's a lesson to be learned there. Now, what's your lesson to be learned? I can't answer that for you. 
But when we struggle with God, there's usually three reasons. So I'm going to talk about the three barriers to struggling with God. The first, shame. Shame is what we experience when we're distant from God and we think less of ourselves than we ought to. We've all been there, right? We all feel this shame, like we should have done something or we did something bad, and then we have the, just this awful feeling of shame. Like if I'm at home, Rachel's been working all day, and I was supposed to do the dishes and the laundry, and I didn't, and then I see her car pull in, and I take off running and try to throw some laundry in the washing machine. Be like, I don't know why it's taking so long. I feel that shame, and I'm trying to do something to fix it, but, but I feel that shame, like I should have done something. And, and the same is true with our relationship with God. Whenever we sin and we know we've messed up, we're like, man, I can't believe I did that. We're just ashamed of what we've done. Look in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, you've got Adam and Eve, right? Everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. Then this serpent brought sin into the world. He tempted Adam and Eve. They fell into temptation. And as soon as they ate from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what happened? They were overcome with a feeling of shame. They looked, they couldn't believe, they were ashamed that they were naked in front of each other. They went and, and covered themselves up because they were so ashamed. They ran and they hid from God. See, when we deal with shame, what we tend to do is we start adding sin on top of sin, on top of sin, on top of sin. And now you're walking around with the burden of all of that sin on your shoulders. That's what Adam and Eve did when they hid. And when we hide, when we try to hide from God, we lie. And that's another one we're adding on. And you just have the weight of the world on your shoulders and you don't know what to do with it. David kind of talks about this. He talks about shame. He addresses it in Psalm 44. He says, I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame. But then again in Psalm 25, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. There's contrast there. If we try to do it on our own, we're going to end up in this state of shame. But if we put our hope in Jesus Christ, we'll never be put to shame. And there's hope in that. So there's barrier number one. Number two is self-deception. Self-deception is what we experience when we're distant from God and think more of ourselves than we ought to. Now, when I was starting in college, um, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. I wouldn't even call myself an agnostic. I would call myself a bad Christian. I went through this phase where I knew God existed. The problem was I didn't care. I did what I wanted to and, and did not care. Luckily, Probably beginning of my sophomore year, I, I came back and started trying to live my life for God. But the problem there was that when I came back, I had an elevated self-esteem. I had this self-deception going on. I was deceiving myself into thinking that I was doing everything right and everyone should be doing it just like me. So I would look down on people like, I can't believe you're doing it that way. I'm doing it the right way. Watch me. It's a humbling experience getting knocked off your pedestal. When you're like that. But man, I was glad when I did. And there was a guy who helped me in college. Um, one of my RAs in the dorm. And I'll get to him helping me out a little bit later. But he was able, I was able to talk through a bunch of stuff with him. And, and came to realize, you know what? It's not about me. At all. And the Bible is very clear on that too. Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, which is what I was doing, 
from flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. When I was being deceived, when I was deceiving myself, I was kind of doing it to say, hey, look at me. I wasn't living a good life. Now I'm living the perfect life. Be like me. When I got knocked off that pedestal, it hurt. But I'm glad it happened. I really am. Because it opened my eyes to what it should be like. If you look back, the Bible talks about this too in Luke uh, chapter 15. It talks about the two sons that run away, right? Two sons run away from home and finally one comes back. What's the father do? The father, representing God, runs to his son. And he embraces him and is just overjoyed that his son came back. The second son, we don't find out what ends up happening to him, but he was upset by the way that the father reacted. He didn't think that that's how he should have responded. And I feel like when we're self-deceiving ourselves, we're trying to tell God how he should respond to, to us instead of the other way around, how we should respond to God. The third one is pretty self-explanatory. It's sidestepping. The dictionary definition of sidestepping is avoiding dealing with or discussing something problematic or disagreeable. We do this all the time, not just in our relationship with God. If we see anybody ever been on Facebook and just see something that makes them roll their eyes and they just keep on scrolling? Yeah, we're sidestepping an argument for good reason. I'm not saying go get in Facebook arguments. No one has ever been led to Christ through a Facebook argument. Okay? That's the second thing I want you to walk out of here with. Don't get into a Facebook argument trying to think that you'll lead them to Christ. That won't happen. Sit down and have coffee with them. But we sidestep stuff all the time. We just don't like something, so we're going to avoid it. Right? We don't like this argument. We don't like how it's going, so I'm just going to avoid that completely. Well, usually when it comes to our Christian sidestepping, we take that as an opportunity to look at God and say, you know what? I'm sidestepping God because here's what you don't understand, God. You don't know how I feel. You don't know what I'm going through. And that's where God looks at it and goes, oh, really? Yeah, I do. Because I sent my son down to that same earth that you're walking on. To be tempted in every single way that you've been tempted. To go through experiences that you're experiencing. I can empathize with you. I know what you're going through. Trust me. Gives us an opportunity to come to him. Another problem with sidestepping is that we know what we should be doing, right? If we're sidestepping, we know what we should do, but we're avoiding it. The Bible is clear about that. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. If you know the good you should do and you don't do it, that's sin. That was me when I was in my I don't care what God thinks phase. I was sidestepping stuff just because I didn't care. And that was sin. And then it was sin on top of sin on top of sin until finally I was covered with the weight of the world and I just felt exhausted all the time because I kept sidestepping. I kept running away from instead of to the Father. Now, I'm not just going to leave you with this and say, hey, here's, a, here's how we all fail. Get out of here. See you next week. I'm not going to do that to you. I am going to try and provide you some ways to help out for times of conflict. So I've got three steps here to struggling well. I'm not saying to fix your conflict forever because we're still going to struggle. We're still going to have conflict. But I'm going to give you three steps to kind of fix it in the moment and try to struggle well. The first is solitude. 
Solitude is, means to remove yourself from outside distractions and noise. And that one can feel really weird and really awkward. But I want to encourage you, if you're going through some conflict right now, go into a room, shut the door, lock it, especially if you have kids so they don't barge in on you. You're trying to remove distractions. Make sure they're safe first, but then go do that. And then turn your phone off. Now, the Bible app is a great thing. It is a great tool. I use it a lot. But if you're using the Bible app, there's one problem. Ding. I got a text. Ding. Facebook notification. Ding. Email. And you're off. It's not solitude. You're not in a state of solitude. You're in a state of Facebook now. Okay? Turn your phone off and go get a paper copy of the Bible. So you can really dive into God's Word and get rid of all outside distraction and really focus on that one-on-one time with you and with God. That is really important. Now, it's also a great time to pray. Prayer can be difficult. When I was in college, and I told you my sophomore year, I started to get back where I wanted to be, right? One guy that helped me was my RA in the dorm. And I, I went to him one time, and we were just talking through some stuff. And he was like, how are you doing? I'm praying. And I was like, man, prayer feels weird. Because I'm trying to talk to this God that's, that's supposed to be right next to me, but yet he's everywhere, and it's weird. And so he did something different. He goes, well, would you be, he grabs this chair that was under his desk and sits it right in front of me. He goes, would you be able to talk to God if he was right here? I was like, well, yeah, obviously. He goes, great, I'll be back in five minutes. And he left. He said, talk to God. That was weird. But it started a conversation. It started a way to deal with the conflict. Just because it feels weird doesn't mean it's wrong. It started to open up an avenue for me start really praying and start seeing God for who he truly is. Number two is sincerity. Sincerity is share with God about the voids in your life and be open and honest. Now, whenever I'm teaching up in the upper room with the youth group, I try to be as open and honest and as genuine as I can be. I try to share everything with these kids. And what I've noticed is that it's really, really easy to share with these kids whenever what I did was really good. That's easy. I can talk about my successes all day long. Look at me. Look what I did. That's easy. It's really, really hard to share with them whenever I've really messed up. When I talk about that deep, dark sin that ate at me, that's tough. And the same is true in our relationship with God. It's easy to go to God when things are good. But when you really mess up, that's tough. And now you've got that conflict again. How are you going to deal with it? Be open and be honest with God. Because guess what? He already knows anyway. He knows our heart. You know, it actually talks about Jesus knew this guy's heart too. This guy came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do I have? I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. What do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he looked at him and said, all right. And he already knew what was in his heart. He said, go sell everything you have. Because he knew this guy was loaded. So go sell everything you have and then come follow me. And what happened? What did the guy do? He went back home with his tail tucked between his legs because he didn't like the answer. God knows our heart. Be open, be honest, be genuine with God. You may not like the response, but God sees the bigger picture. The third step to struggling well is surrender. Surrender. Now, surrender does not mean to lose your identity. But it means to bring your full self into alignment with God. It's like the two horses that are pulling in different directions. 
If God is this horse over here and we're here and we're pulling away, surrender is going, you know what? You're right. Your way is better. I'm going to come into here and get on that same path. Then it's smooth sailing. Surrender yourself to God. Psalm 32, 7, it, it, it kind of helps out with this. David's talking about his, his faith in God, being able to put his trust in God. And he says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Whenever you surrender into God, you can feel that safety, that security, that hope, that peace. That is surrendering to Jesus. Here's the deal. Whenever you get closer to God, you will be asked to give up so much more of yourself so that you can be more like him. The closer you get to God, you're going to be asked to give up more and more of yourself to be more like him. That's why he, he told the man to give up all of his worldly possessions because he knew that that's what was going to hold him back from really getting to him. You're going to be asked to give up more of yourself. And here's the deal. That hurts. That's not fun. There's a video by the skit guys. It's called Chisel. It's a chisel video. And it's these two guys. They come out and they do skits together. And one guy's just staying in there. This guy fades in from the background. And he says, who are you? He's like, well, I'm God. And he's got a chisel. He's got a hammer. He goes, you ready? He's like, sure. And he starts banging this chisel on this guy's back. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting rid of all the junk in your life. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to have to give up of earthly things, of worldly things, of selfish desires to be more like him. There's a part in the chisel video where he, there, he's like standing in front of me. He goes, all right, tell me what you see in that mirror. He goes, I see me. He goes, okay, then I need to keep chiseling away until... Me, you, and everyone around you sees my son. When we surrender into God, that's what we're doing. We're giving up all that stuff. And again, it's going to hurt. Whenever we get closer to God and we're at that point where we have to start giving stuff up, it's not easy, it's not fun, but the rewards are so much greater than anything we can imagine here on earth. The last point I have for you here talks about that pain. It says, people change when the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change. You change when the pain of remaining the same, remaining in this spot where you're at right now, where you are consumed with sin, your selfish desire, whatever it is that's keeping you from God, you just can't take it anymore. When that pain is greater than the pain of actually changing to be more like Jesus, that's when you really start to change. Saying, God, I can't do this anymore. It hurts too much. I'm done trying to live my way. I'm ready to live your way. Whenever that happens, that's when you start to see real change. It is important to deal with our conflict in every relationship, but especially in our relationship with God. Again, if you're here and you're, you're at one of those tough times, come talk to me. Come talk to one of our pastors on staff. Matt's back there at the welcome table. Uh, my grandpa, Scott, he's here. He'll talk with you. If you want to talk to Ralph, he'll be here throughout the week. You can come talk to him. We're here for you guys. We're here as a body of believers. We are here as the body of Christ to help each other out. Deal with your conflict, and you will grow exponentially in your relationship with Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and providing us with the tools that we need to deal with conflict well. We thank you that you didn't promise us an easy life, 
but that you provided us with an outlet and, and a way to deal with that conflict and deal with times of struggle and, and just the tough times. And we ask that in those tough times, we can truly look to your son. We can look to his sacrifice in our place on the cross and find hope and find peace in that. So God, we love you. We give you all the praise here this morning. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Christ Community Church, thank you for putting up with me this morning. We will see you next week, Anniversary Sunday. Thank you, guys. See ya. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.